Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want us to focus and concentrate this afternoon on the law of sowing and reaping. The reason I chose this subject this afternoon was because it is the first Sunday of the month. And as you all know, it's our tradition in this ministry to receive and give thanks to your gifts that you give to the Lord. We also, on this first Sunday, we receive communion together and of course share the word as a basis or foundation for what i want to share with you this afternoon i've taken a scripture from the book of genesis chapter 8 and verse 22 and i'm reading it from the amplified translation we're going to specifically focus on a particular principle or a law that functions both in the realm of the spirit as well as in the natural The Word of God calls this law the law of sowing and reaping. And Genesis 8.22 says the following. This is God speaking. And he says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. We see that from the beginning of creation, God instituted the law of sowing and reaping, the seed time and harvest time for the benefit of mankind. He said that this law, this principle, shall remain in force as long as the earth remains. Well, the earth is still here, we are still here, and this law still works today. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So whatever we choose to sow, that is exactly the kind of harvest we will receive. If you sow corn, you will receive corn. If you sow wheat, you will receive wheat. You can't expect to sow wheat and receive uh, a corn, for instance. If you show kindness, you will receive kindness. If you show mercy, you will receive mercy. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. So we see this law of sowing and reaping works both in the natural realm, the physical realm, as well as in the spiritual realm. Now, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 6 to verse 8, as the Apostle Paul refers to this law in teaching us about financial matters, saying that the way to do away with poverty and lack is to apply the principles of sowing and reaping. And I'm reading from verse 6. 
He's speaking to the church in Corinth and he says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now notice verse 8. This is a promise to those who are practicing and have become skilled in this principle of sowing and reaping. And he gives us a promise and he says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That is a mighty, mighty promise from God. Notice the all sufficiency in all things, always, that we have an abundance to contribute or to assist every good work within our sphere of influence. That is, that is a, a wonderful promise from God, and it is given to those who have become skillful in this principle of sowing and reaping. It's not a once-off thing. This is something that must become second nature to us because God is generous, God is a giver, and we, if we have been born of God, have the nature of God in us, therefore we are, as our Heavenly Father is, generous in all things, in giving, in forgiving, in sowing kindness, mercy, substance. As someone once said, I live to give. Amen? Amen. And that is the life of a Christian. So we see here in these verses of Scripture that God's ultimate desire is to bring us to a place where grace abounds toward us in such a way that we always have all sufficiency in all things, A-L-L, all things, so that we can financially support every work we come across. And the way to get to such a place of abundant grace is through the law or the principle of sowing and reaping. Here are a few verses to ponder on and to meditate in your own private time. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, we've already read that. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25, in the New Living Translation says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. What a wonderful promise from God. In Luke 6:38, Jesus said the following, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you again. So we see here, and what Jesus is explaining here is the principle of multiplication. Whatever you give up or let go 
for him and the kingdom, you will receive, he said, a hundredfold in return. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 10, 29, he said, truly, I tell you, there is no one who has given up and left house, houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who will not receive a hundred times as much now in this life, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers and children and lands with persecutions. This became so clear to me when when um, the bishop in Zimbabwe excommunicated me and lost all of my Greek friends. And all of a sudden, my wife and I and our kids found ourselves isolated, alone, lost lifetime friends because of the obedience that I have shown to the Lord to go and preach the gospel. They didn't receive that well, so they started leaving us. But God, over a period of time, began to add quality friends to us. And not just in Zimbabwe, but all over the world. So if I have lost five friends, I have gained 200 friends. And, um, and it, was, it was wonderful to see this promise from Jesus coming to fruition in our own lives. And, and really experiencing, not just, you know, reading it in the Bible and say, I believe it, but literally experiencing this promise coming to pass in our own lives. And so a testimony is brought to mind concerning this principle that illustrates what I'm sharing with you now. And I, I, I want to relate it. You may have heard me before say and, and testify to this fact. In 1993, we had a piece of ground that the municipality gave us for next to nothing, 11,000 rand, I think. We had a, an Italian uh, architect in our fellowship. He drew up the plans and had everything ready at no cost. We had the land, we had the plans, but we didn't have any money. And the whole project would cost about 1,200,000. Now, in 1993, that was a lot of money. It's like 20, 25 million today. So... We had 10,000 rand in the bank, and it was a season that I was traveling to Greece on a mission outreach, visiting various cities in Greece, preaching the gospel. And I said to our financial board, we need to sow a seed for the funds that we need to put up the building. Well, there were two elderly men on the financial board. One was Costas, and the other one was... Uh, um, what's his name again? I forget. Um, Tony. And they said to me, but that's all the money we have. Now we're going to empty this, our treasury, just it finance this, this outreach mission. I said, well, I believe that God spoke to me that we need to sow a seed. So I had the faith. They just joined with me and they just flowed with me whether they believed it or not, I don't know. They, they sold, we sold that funds into the mission outreach. Within a period of 15 months, a Portuguese wealthy businessman that I knew only for a few weeks, he didn't know we had the land, he didn't know we have the, the plans for the building. He went into Malmesbury, or not Malmesbury, um, 
Anyway, in, he was looking at a building. And the spirit spoke to him. That building was 660,000 at that time. And the Holy Spirit said to him, I want you to take that money and give it to Andreas because he wants to build a church in my name. He came up. He called me one evening. <laughs> I remember I was in my office. I remember the excitement I got. He said God spoke to him and he would give us the 660,000. And then uh, we had a few months to prepare. He said, what do you want me to do with this money? Well, I said, you're the investor. You know how to invest the money. He says, but there is risk involved. I said, well, if God is willing, he's going to bless that 660 and multiply it or whatever. So he went ahead and he invested it. And the 660 came to 930,000. And I, I, I knew that that was a harvest that we were receiving because of the seed that we sowed in faith. And I've seen this principle work not once, not twice, but many times in my own life. And uh, praise God, we put up that building. We needed 120,000 extra because our congregation just dived in and we raised about 1,100,000. And so we needed another 120, I think, to pave the parking. And I went to the States, met a Greek businessman, and out of nowhere, he hands me a check of $40,000. I didn't ask for anything. I, he didn't know we had a need. And he flew over, I recall, some of you, at least you were there that day. He flew from the United States with a check and presented it to us and we completed the building 1,200,000 and we finished paying it. What a glorious testimony to the word of the Lord. And I tell you folks, God's word always works if we are willing to put it to work. It just depends how much faith we have in it. And so God through his word shows us the way to get to the place where we have more than enough is the way of sowing and reaping. But he gives us the way to go there, but it's our decision whether we will follow his principles or not. He does not intimidate. He does not force us. He just presents us. There's a better way, he says. There's the world's way of doing business and growing and, and becoming prosperous. And there is God's way of becoming prosperous and having all sufficiency. And he leaves the decision to us. Notice what he says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. God is not going to tell you. He shows you the way, but he's not going to make the decision for you and I or tell you. He says, you must purpose in your heart, not grudgingly, not of necessity, because you have to or because you've been manipulated or forced or feeling guilty. None of those things are acceptable with God. For God loves a cheerful giver. Notice that we are the ones who determine how and what to give. He gives us his word. He gives us his principles, the first fruits principle, the tithing principle, the offering principle. And then he says, now you make the decision. 
So, we come to this conclusion. The measure of faith we place in his word will determine the measure of giving we do. And the measure we give will be the measure that is multiplied back to us. And Jesus said some 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. The fact of the matter is that we determine the kind of harvest, not God. We do. Our faith does. And the measure of harvest we receive. We can only God can only multiply what we give to him. And let me say this, when it comes to the principle of the seed, we need to understand and renew our minds. The destination of every seed is death. If you take a seed and keep it on your shelf, it will remain one seed and in, in time it will probably rot. The purpose of every seed is multiplication. But the destination of every seed is death. So for any kind of seed to release its potential and bring about a harvest, it has to die first. You have to put it in the ground and you lose it for a while. Until, unless it dies, it cannot produce. And that's what Jesus said in John 12, 24. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, Another translation says, verily, verily, I say unto you. And when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, we need to pay attention. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So in the kingdom of God, the way you gain something is by losing it rather than saving it. Jesus said, whoever seeks to save his life will do what? Will lose it. But he who loses it for his sake will preserve it. That's Luke 17, verse 33. So the same principle applies to our finances. Some people are holding on to it. They know the Bible says you ought to tithe, you ought to give offerings, but they are afraid. They, they, they would rather hold on to what they have, and by holding on to it, Proverbs 11.25 says it leads to poverty. Because you're withholding something that can produce and multiply for you. But you're going to have to let it go for a season. Because when you give it, you lose it. You're not going to see those funds again, but you will see them in another form, in a multiplied form that will come back in some way. You understand what I'm saying? So, before we gain, we have to lose. And before we reap, we have to sow. The farmer knows this well. He's very skilled in these areas. He knows that before he receives a harvest, he will have to sow some seed. It would be foolish for him to go and, and just look at his field and, and just expect to receive a harvest when he has not sown anything in the ground. That's foolish. This is so simple that even a child can understand it. That's why Jesus uses natural physical principles to explain spiritual principles. Yet so many believers fail to see this. They don't see it. They expect to reap when they have not sown. And then they quote the scripture that says, My God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But that promise was given to the Philippians church that supported the apostle paul regularly 
They stood by him. They supported him. They send him goods and, and, and funds regularly. And Paul says to them, my God shall supply all your need. That promise doesn't belong to everybody. It belongs to those who faithfully contribute and support the work of God, the people of God, the man of God. So, if you have not sown, don't expect to receive. Or some folks sow sparingly, very little, and they expect to get a big harvest. It doesn't work that way. So the kind of harvest we receive is always determined by the sower. God doesn't determine your harvest. You do. We do. Paul says that the heart is the one who determines and regulates the kind of sowing they do. Notice what he says. Let each purpose where? In his heart. Why does he refer to the heart? Because the heart is the seat of faith. For with the heart man believes. You don't believe with your head. You believe with your spirit. Your heart is your spirit. So the heart determines how you sow, what you sow, because your heart is your is the seat of your God-given faith. And so it is the heart that regulates the kind of sowing we do. Now, this abundant grace that Paul is speaking about in the area of finances, listen carefully, please, because many believers fail to see this, is found in the abundance of knowledge and faith. And faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. The first place we go to is the word of God concerning the subject we are teaching on. And I always caution believers, don't be too quick to jump out there unless you go to the word of God first. That's where you go first. Study the subject thoroughly. Be well versed when it comes to matters of financial prosperity because God wants you to prosper. Lack is not from God. Poverty is not from God. It is a curse. That's why Deuteronomy 28 lists lack and poverty under the curse of the law. But Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, the Bible says. He became poor so that we may become rich. Rich means have an abundance, no lack. I'm not talking about excesses. I know there are some people that take it to the extreme, but any teaching you take to the extreme, it becomes unhealthy. We need to stay in the middle of the road and not land up in one side of the ditch or the other side of the ditch. So some people think, some, some pastors said, well, I was in a denomination that believes that, Lord, you keep our pastor humble and we'll keep him poor. That is... <laughs> That's not God. That's not God. So the first place we go to is the word of God concerning the subject. What do we need to do? Meditate on the scriptures we have shared with you. And not only read them once or twice, you've got to stay with them. Camp on them until faith rises in your heart. And when that happens, that's the time to act. That's the time to release to give, to sow. And some have stepped out prematurely and acted unwisely without faith. And you know what happened? They stumbled. They failed. 
So when they failed, they got offended with God. They got offended with the preacher who taught these principles. They were not wise. And I want to share a testimony with you, which God answered my question. I had this question for a very long time, and this was my question and bothered me. I was asking the Lord because I was seeing people who were giving, who were tithing, and yet they were not prospering. And others were prospering. The principle worked for me. But when I looked around, there were not many people that was working for them, and it bothered me for a long time. And I was asking God, why, Lord, does the word works for some people and not for others? Did you ever have this question? Did you ever ask this question? Why am I not seeing the harvest that God promises me? You know, I've been sowing, I've been giving, but whether I've received any harvest, I wouldn't know about it. Well, there's an answer to that, and I'm going to give it to you now. As I turned my thoughts to the Lord one morning on the teaching that I was given the church at that particular time, I was teaching on the principle and the power of the seed. I saw the answer to my prayer, and everything became so clear. The answer was hidden in one of the verses of Scripture from the book of Proverbs, and we're going to look at it together. You know, God has an answer for every question and every dilemma and every, every problem has a solution. And the solution is always found in the word of God if we know where to look. Proverbs, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. This is what it says. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And what was highlighted to my spirit was one word, the word knowledge. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. I saw why my giving worked for me. It was because it was accompanied by revelation knowledge, which produced the kind of faith I needed for this principle to work. And right then I was reminded of another verse of scripture in the book of Hosea, where God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The only reason I believe we are being destroyed in our finances or in other area of our life is because we lack the necessary knowledge and skill that it takes to prosper. When I first heard about the tithe and the offering, I remember I was only a few days old in the Lord, and I read in the Bible, in Malachi chapter 3, bring all the tithes. I didn't know what it meant. I went to my pastor. I said, what does this mean? He said, 10% of your income. I said, well, I was so green. I said, well, what do I do with it? How do I give it to God? Well, he said, who is ministering to you? Who is imparting? Who's teaching you? It's your local church. So he said, you give it to the work of God, to your local church. So I did that. I didn't question it. I put my every month I got paid. I remember my father-in-law was giving me $250 a month. I would take an envelope every month without fail. And I, I'm... I'm teaching you now how to be consistent. I've never missed a time in 43 years. 
I would put the $25 there and I would put a $5 offering, close the envelope, put it into the basket on a month end, the Sunday that I got paid. <clears throat> and I, I just immediately put it into practice. When, when I first thought, uh, was taught about the principle of first fruits, I always thought first fruits is tithe, but tithe is not first fruits and first fruits is not tithe. Well, I acted upon the teaching, but listen, I did it out of obedience, but I did not stay there. This is where many of us just camp there. They stay there. They heard the preacher say it. They believe it. They act on it, but they stay there. That's wrong. You see, thank God for wonderful teaching that goes around. There are some good teachings. There are some bad teachings. We need to have discernment. But you know what? You cannot camp on another man's revelation. Sooner or later, you go to press in and get your own revelation. This is where most people stay all their lives. And I, I'm counseling you today. You need to go deeper into the teaching concerning the subject. If you fail to study the word of God, your mind will not be renewed. Faith will not be there. I recall I spent hours in the word just searching the scriptures. If you have a concordance, you can search all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation where it talks about the subject. And not what I did, I meditated on them. I studied the subject on financial prosperity. And out of my research and my own personal diligent study on the subject, my mind was renewed and my heart was filled with knowledge. The knowledge which produced the kind of faith which was needed not only to give, but also to receive the harvest of my giving. Let me say this. You need faith to give, but you need faith to receive. Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you again. Amen. So we need to learn not just giving. Some people have, have become skillful in giving, but they haven't learned how to receive. You know, I remember years ago, someone came to visit. I was not in full-time ministry. I was running my business in Masvingo. And a young man came up to visit, a born-again believer. I hosted him, gave him hospitality. And we had a wonderful time of fellowship. And then I recall I was in my office one day. Those days they had traveler's checks. He takes out a traveler's check and he gives me a hundred U.S. dollars. And he says, here. I was offended. I said, hmm. Why are you giving me any money? He says, I want to bless you. I said, no, thank you. And God's spirit spoke to me. He said, you've learned how to give, but you haven't learned how to receive. So we need to also learn how to receive from God. We receive from God. He works through people, but the one who gives is the Lord. So unless you learn how to gather your harvest, your harvest is going to rot in the field. And it will not be anybody's fault but your own because you haven't learned how to receive by faith. And that comes by studying the scriptures. Now, scripture upon scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, I built the word of God on the subject in my heart. And it produced for me. Jesus said in Mark 4, 8, other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. 
the reason the Lord said to me it didn't work for others was because their giving was not accompanied by revelation knowledge, which in turn produces the kind of faith that is required. They didn't take the time to study the word of God and prepare the hearts through studying it, through reading it, through meditating on the on concerning this subject. So in the natural, let's take a lesson from the natural. No farmer goes out to sow his seed on an uncultivated and unprepared field. What does he do? He spends days plowing, cultivating before planting. Why is it that we think is any different when it comes to spiritual things? It's no different. You see, Mark 4.24 says, be careful what you're hearing, because the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. Time invested in the word and in fellowship with God is never wasted time. Without the word, there's no knowledge. Without knowledge, there's no faith. Without faith, nothing works in the kingdom. You can just give your money and you just... If you don't put any faith in it, any heart in it, it's not going to benefit you. So if you need a financial harvest, you have to plant a financial seed. Not only sowing money into the work of God, but listen, also sowing the incorruptible seed of the word of God in your heart will produce the faith that is needed to receive your harvest. And then the Lord concluded his answer to me and said the following, if they do what you did, and they put the hours of study and meditation into their giving like you did and arm themselves with knowledge, it will work for them just as it worked for you. And then he said, I'm no respecter of persons. The word will work for anyone who will put it to work and exercise the faith in it. And you know, this principle works in every area of our lives, not just in finances. So I encourage you, don't just stay with what I told you. Go to the Bible yourself, study it for yourself, read it, meditate on it. Well, there don't come a time when you say, you're not going to say, well, my pastor said that. No, God's word said that. Amen. Are we ready to pray? <clears throat> I trust you've received something tonight that will remain with you. And don't be lazy when it comes to the word of God, folks. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. We are reminded of Psalm 107, verse 20, that says you sent your word and healed us and delivered us from our destructions. How we thank you tonight for this precious word that's filled with knowledge and understanding and wisdom when it comes to the ways of the kingdom of God and to the ways you do things, Lord. You do things so differently from the world system. The world has a system. But your system is far above and far better than the world system. And we thank you for giving us this principle of sowing and reaping. I pray that we may become skillful in it, wise in it, and exercise our faith in giving as well as in receiving, not just for our own blessing and benefit, Lord, but for the work of God and for so many other people who desperately need our help and our assistance in this area. And as you promised us in your word, we decree and declare by faith today that you are able to make all grace abound toward us 
so that we always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.